It is so good to see you. My name is Nick, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New Vision, and it's always an honor to be able to open up God's Word and see what He has for us today. Before we get too far in the message, I have a little bit of family business to take care of this morning. The first thing is, today is my wife's birthday, so that's pretty exciting. Um, Yeah. And so um, she's not in here, so I'm allowed. Y'all were the first service that I told that because she's like, you don't mention my name. But anyways, today's her birthday. And then not only is it her birthday, but one of our staff members, beloved, I call him friend. I make him nervous. Greg Freeman, our executive pastor today, he turns 50, y'all. And so, yeah. And so... um, When you see him, he has been fully vaccinated, so feel free to give him a hug, a good game, whatever you need to do. And those online, greg.freeman at newvisionlife.com, email him, send him a cyber hug. It'll be great. He will love it. Um, He has really been thanking me over the last few hours about doing this every single service. Um, And then the last bit of family business I only am going to handle in here. Um, So sometimes when I'm out in public, people will come up to me and they'll talk to me, and sometimes people will be like, what's my name? And you're like, Greg, right? (laughs) And so I had this one young lady come up to me. I had been introduced to her several times. And so I was sitting in the nukes and she was sitting there with some friends and I walked by just being friendly. Y'all, I'm a friendly guy. I'm like, hey. She's like, what's my name? I was like, right? And, uh, And so Grace Smith, I want you to know that I see you and I remember your name. And so everyone say hello to Grace. Hey, Grace. Now thousands of people know your name. Praise God. And so there we go. Just wanted to get that out of the way. Y'all like, what kind of church? You have no idea. So we are so glad that you are here. So today we're going to be walking through Hebrews 9, and we've been over the course of the last few weeks, we have been talking about how Jesus is greater than, and we're going to continue to do that. Today, we're going to talk about how Jesus is greater than the tabernacle. We'll get into what that means and what the tabernacle is. But as I was thinking through today's message, this song kept coming to mind. It was from a commercial probably 10 10 years ago, maybe, or something like that. It was for Great Clips. And the theme song on this commercial was, Come Ride In. Sit right down, baby, let your hair hang down. Do y'all remember that? Anybody with me? Okay, like 12%. That's fine. Um, And some of y'all might be thinking, why do you remember a Great Clips commercial considering? Back up off me, people. I used to have lovely hair, okay? And so as I was thinking about the song, the song was done by a group in 1962 called the Rooftop Singers. If you're bored later, you want to go to Spotify, you can listen to They're really a one-hit wonder. But the theme of what they were saying, come right in, sit right down, baby, let your hair hang down, what they are saying is you are welcome here. You can relax here. And so what we're going to see over the course of today is that because of Jesus, you have been invited into a better tabernacle because of what King Jesus has done. And if you don't get anything else from today, know this, that you have been invited through the payment on a cross and the resurrection from the grave, by Jesus to come right in, sit right down, and to sit at the table of a king. Because Jesus, through this new sanctuary, Jesus established, it has room for everybody and everybody has been invited. And so for you, you might be sitting there, do you mean me? I am talking to you. And typically what a lot of people go to is, but Nick, you don't know. Can I just tell you, I don't need to know you. I don't have to know your past. 
I don't need to know what you're currently walking through to know that you have still been invited to the table right where you are because of the completed work of Jesus. And so if you don't get anything else today, know that you have been invited. And the invitation today is to walk right in and to sit right down because of what Jesus has done. And so as we begin this journey together through Hebrews chapter 9, I just want to take an opportunity and a moment to pray. And I'm praying that maybe today is today where those watching online or maybe somebody in this room will step from death to life, that maybe today will be the day where you are able to hear the invitation from the king and that you accept that invitation. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you are now ready to take that next step. I pray that you will take that next step today. I'm praying that walls will fall, hearts will be open, and ears will be open. So I invite you right where you are. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and what you have done. Father, over the next few moments as we open up your word, we know that your word does not return void. So we know that your word is going to do work. May we heed the work of your word. Jesus, I pray that hearts will be open in this place. And I pray that we will take the next step of obedience, whatever that may be. So Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. All right, go ahead and get your Bibles out. Turn to Hebrews 9. You can tap on your phone or tablet to Hebrews 9. A couple of things I want you to know because I'm going to have to talk fast. I have about 50 minutes of information in the sermon that we're going to squeeze into 30 minutes, all right? We got to get y'all out to get the biscuits. And so we're going to do that. And so, but there's a couple of things that is going to help you. And I want you to write these things down because they're going to be beneficial for you when you leave here. And, and again, when I'm telling you to write it down. There is no mystery. What I mean by write it down is, thank you, praise the Lord. Here we go. So we do a podcast every single day, Monday through Friday. We go through the current series. We go through the text. Before Christmas last year, we were going through the book of Exodus. I don't know if you remember that. That's what we did in 2020. It's a blur for everybody. But we went through Exodus. And during Exodus, there were some podcasts specifically about the tabernacle. So this, if you go back and listen, it will give you even further information about the tabernacle, which I'm going to speak about, and it's just going to help you. So if you listen to day 70, day 71, day 73, and day 78 of our Exodus podcast, it will give you even further information about uh, the tabernacle. And so go to that. And then our campus pastor, Ben Curtis, he very much, he read this book and he said it was very helpful in understanding even more about the tabernacle and the temple. And the book is called this, The Temple, the temple and the Tabernacle by J. Daniel Hayes. And so write those things down. You can go check out those resources. Also, what you can do is go in your study Bible, your Tony Evans study Bible, which I talk about in a little bit. Go and read that. Look in the study notes, and they'll give you even more information. And when it cross-references verses in Exodus, go back and read those verses and look at the study notes so you can get an even richer understanding of the Word. Because this is what I believe. The better we understand the Word, the better we can live it out. I believe that to be true. And so my goal for us is not that we just come here and hear a word, but we respond to the word and live differently in light of it. And so are we ready? All right, I gave you a lot of information. You're like, we haven't even started. Yes, here we go. First thing we're going to start off is a little vocabulary, tabernacle. 
I'm going to define what a tabernacle is. I don't know if you're ready for this. This definition is going to blow your mind. You're going to go, man, I feel so much wiser. I'm never going to be the same again. Tabernacle means tent. You're like, is there more? No. Tabernacle is tent. And you might be going, well, why wouldn't they just call it a tent? I don't know. Tabernacle sounds fancier, I guess. But here's the thing you need to know. It's not just a tent. And here's why it's not just a tent. Because the presence of God is there. And so what the presence of God does, what he does with all of us, is he changes it. It's not just the same. It's not just a normal tent. But because of the presence of God, it is a tabernacle. And the reminder, the, the author of Hebrews is going to remind us that there is this old covenant. This tabernacle was part of this old covenant that God started, but God truly fulfilled through Jesus and has established a new covenant. And so the writer of Hebrews is going to compare this old covenant to this new covenant. He's going to compare it to this tabernacle made by human hands to this tabernacle made in the kingdom of God. And so in Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, we're going to navigate. It says this. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded in the stone tablets of the covenant. The stone tablets of the covenant, everybody, is the Ten Commandments. It's where God wrote how to live as a people of God because his people had been used to a life of enslavement. And he was showing them how to be free and how to be a free people. Verse number five. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. I love the writer of Hebrews. They're just like, okay, I'm down writing about that. They'll just be like, you can read about it later. Here is what is true about this old covenant. The old covenant had limited access. The new covenant has full access. The old covenant, only the high priest or Moses or someone like that could go into the tent and meet with the presence of God. But through Jesus, everyone has full access. There is room for everyone in this new tabernacle that has been established through Christ's completed work. So as I was thinking about this limited space, I was thinking, it made me think of my kids' play tent. Now, if you're a parent, this is so good, right? Amen, parents. You could throw some food, a graham cracker, a couple of toys in there, have seven seconds of freedom, and then you have to come back and check on them. But my youngest is seven, almost seven, and he doesn't really play with this anymore. But I remember he would invite me to come and play inside the tent with him. And every time he would invite me, I would have this moment of, can I squeeze all of this into that? And so, you know, because you're trying to be a good parent, you want to meet your kids where they are, he would invite me, and I would squeeze all of this goodness into this tent, and we would have a party in there, y'all. We would play heroes. We would talk about life, you know, on a four-year-old level. We would get in. But can I just tell you, there wasn't much room for anything else. I would almost have to hold my breath if you brought another toy in. I was like, listen, if Daddy pops out of this tent, it's going to be bad, y'all. But it was very limited, and this reminded me of this old tabernacle, this old covenant, where not everyone was allowed to come in. And later on, after the tabernacle, there was the temple, which was just a fancier version of the tabernacle. But even in the temple, it was limited. 
Not everyone could come in. And not only could everyone not come in, but you could only come in once a year to do sacrifices. So it was very limited. But because of Jesus, because of his work on the cross, because of his resurrection from the grave, everybody has access fully to the king. And that is really good news. Y'all don't know that. Y'all got to fix your face. That's good news, everybody. That this king of glory, this, this king who needs nothing, this king who is holy and set apart through what Jesus did on the cross in his perfect life when he was resurrected from a grave, invited everyone inside. Everyone could come, come in the tent of God because of what Jesus has done. That is good news. We call it the gospel. And because of that, all are invited in. So I want to show you a picture of what this tabernacle will look like. Here we are. See the tabernacle? Some of y'all are like, oh, it's got serious. He has an illustration with pictures. Here we go. couple of key things you need to know about this tabernacle. For one, you could be outside of it. You could walk outside of it, but you could not come in. Only if you were set apart could you come in. The first area we see is called the holy place. Now, in the holy place, it would have three basic pieces of furniture. It would have the lampstand. The lampstand had to keep burning. So in the holy place, you would go in and make sure that light kept burning. And remember, everything in this tabernacle pointed to Jesus coming. And here's something you need to know. Everything in the Word of God is pointing to Jesus, everything. And so this lampstand was to remind us that the light, the king, will shine forever. Jesus even said he is the light of the world. This lampstand is pointing to the ultimate lampstand of Jesus. Then there was a table that had the bread of the presence over it, on it. Now the bread of presence, it would be 12 loaves of bread. And this was, was a reminder of how God sustains and provides. And also remember that Jesus calls himself the bread of what? Bread of life. All of these things are pointing forward to what Jesus ultimately fully fulfilled. Then, when you get past the most holy place, you get to the holy of holies. It's the most holy place. Now, separating the most holy place from the holy place was a curtain. This curtain was thick. It was very much separating the holy place from the most holy place. Now, you remember when Jesus surrendered his life, there was a curtain that was torn. Do you all remember that? If you don't remember, it's fascinating. There was a curtain that was torn. The curtain that was torn was this curtain that separated. And why was the curtain torn? Because now everyone had access to the most holy of places through what Jesus has done. And so in this most holy place, it was separated. But Jesus removed the separation Also in there was the Ark of the Covenant, which was a reminder for the people of God how God has kept his covenant time and time again. He has been faithful. He has been true. He has never failed. He never will. And so it was a reminder that God not only initiated the covenant, but he also fulfilled the covenant. And there was some manna. Manna was the food provided for the Israelites when they were in the wilderness, And so God provided, again, reminding the people that God still provides. In there also was Aaron's staff that had budded. Why? Because we all know that a staff should not bud flowers. It's not connected to anything. It does not make sense. It's a work of God. Then you had the Ten Commandments, the ten ways to live in right relationship with the king. It was in there as a reminder. 
And then on the Ark of the Covenant, there also was the mercy seat where the cherubim and the seraphim were. The mercy seat. Why would a mercy seat be on the Ark of the Covenant? Because that is what Jesus has done. That's what God has done. He has provided mercy. He has paid the way for us through, his, through, the, son, through the life of his son, Jesus Christ. And so really, all of this is just a point forward to Jesus. Listen. Jesus fulfilled the covenant. Jesus sits at the mercy seat. Jesus has made a way where there was no way. So now you are invited to come right in, sit right down, and to dwell in the presence of the king through what Jesus has done. Verse number six. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room. And that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins that people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Is, Listen, the priest had to offer sacrifices for himself and for those who had sinned. And the Holy Spirit was pointing that this was going to be ultimately fulfilled through Jesus. And only the high priest could go in there, but he could only go into the most holy places once a year. And every single time, he would have to offer more sacrifices. Next year, more sacrifices. Next year, more sacrifices. Why? Because the offering was not sufficient until Jesus. And Jesus offered life on the cross and his resurrection from the grave made a way where there was no way because he was the ultimate and perfect sacrifice. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and the sacrifices be, being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. What is this saying? What does that have to do with us in 2021? So when I read that, that these were offered, they weren't able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. A lot of times when I look at the Israelites, I look at them through a lens of bless their heart. Look at them Israelites. Like you look at them and you go, okay, did y'all not see that God freed you from slavery and bondage and were leading you to a promised land? Do you not see that God went before you, he was with you, and he hemmed you up in the back? Did you not see that pretty cool thing when he split the Red Sea in two and you walked on dry ground? And I love how the Bible is specific. It was dry. It was not squishy. It was dry because God don't do anything halfway. And he led you. And he led you to the other side. And one of the first things you do when you get on the other side, when Moses goes and gets a word from your king on how to best live as a free people, you're like, Moses is dead. We got to make our king. And you chose to build a golden calf out of the providence that God provided from Egypt. See, that gold that they had was God providing for them. And he took his provision and he made an image in their liking. And we look at that and go, man, I can't believe they would do that. They just tried to make their own king. They just tried to make their own way. But can I tell you, that's the story of us. And you might go, Nick, you don't know me. I don't have to know you. I know Nick. And so often I like to hold up my resume to the king and tell him how he should move and act because he owes me something. 
And you might be wanting to go, Nick, I don't ever do that. Let's just do a little, let's just have a moment of honesty real quick. I want you to think about the last time where God did not meet your expectation. Maybe it was the prayer you prayed for, he didn't answer soon enough or quick enough, or maybe the answer was no and you're mad at him. Maybe it was the loss of something, maybe it was illness, maybe it was something else. And typically when something like that happens, when a storm arises in our lives, we are really quick to go run and get our resume and go, God, this is why bad things shouldn't happen to me. I tithe most of the time. I'm nice to my kids most of the time. I listen to my spouse most of the time. I don't go dropkick my neighbor who keeps cutting my grass over the property line, even though I've asked him eight times to keep his lawnmower on his own yard. Got real. (laughs) But, you know, we are really good at doing the same thing. But here's the deal. No matter the things we have done, it is not worthwhile enough or substantial enough to make a way so that we can get into the Holy of Holies. Why? Because no one is clean enough by their own means. Listen, y'all are swell. You are. I don't know you. I know some of you. You're pretty swell. But I, I can't call you perfect. You know why I can't call you perfect? Because you're not. Some of y'all are like, <gasps> I know. Everybody knows. You're not perfect. But here's the good news. You don't have to be because Jesus was on your behalf. And so you've been invited in not because of your own means and your own outward works. See, we are really good at cleaning ourselves externally, but we can do nothing to clean ourselves internally. Like that's why when they're killing the animals or they're providing these offerings, it was only temporary and it would only really clean the outside, never the inside. And as much as the high priest could go in, The normal, run-of-the-mill people could not go in. And the other thing is the priest would have to go again and again and again and again. That's why the language about Jesus going in and sitting down in the Holy of Holies is so good. Why? Because he paid it in full. He paid it in full. If you pay something in full, is there anything owed? Do that new math, y'all. Come on now. If you paid it in full, is there anything owed? Y'all can answer with confidence. Put some bass in your voice and answer. No. If it's paid in full, there's nothing left to pay. There's nothing left to pay. It would be foolish if you were blessed and wrote a check to pay off the remaining balance of your house, and then the next month you send another check. Like that, you would go, why would you do that? It has been paid in full. Enjoy the gift. Live in light of what has been paid on your behalf. Respond to the gift. The same thing with what Jesus has done. Respond to the gift. He paid it in full. Hebrews 8, I love last week when Pastor Brady was talking, and he said these two verses at the beginning of his message, and I was just like, "Woo, that's strong. Right of Hebrews is coming strong. It says this in chapter 8, verse 1. Now, the main point of what we are saying is this. We do, not have such a, we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human beings. 
So because of what Jesus has done, because the king is seated at the right hand of our heavenly father, he has paid it in full. There is nothing left to owe. We can only receive the gift if we choose to. So if you receive the gift, it has been paid in full. All your transgressions, all your sins, past, present, and future, he paid it all. He nailed it to a cross, holding it in open shame. That's what the king did. And through what the king has done, all have been invited in. Amen. All have been invited in because of what Jesus has done. Verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not a part of this creation. Verse 12. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Verse 13. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. Let's pause for a second. I just want to be real with y'all. There's not often where I get to say heifer in a message. And I just want to just embrace this moment. I have not gone past a 13-year-old boy. One day I'll get there. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying is this. He says, listen, with all the sacrifice, with the old covenant, with all of those things, the only thing it would do would cleanse the inside. It had no answer for the inside. It had no answer for eternally cleaning you. It just had an external solution temporarily. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, but let me tell you about Jesus and what he did. Verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the, etern the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, Cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Let me read it again. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Through Jesus, we have all been invited into a better sanctuary. Because of what Christ has done, because Jesus is the ultimate high priest, we have been invited in. This is ministry from the inside out. Listen, what does that mean for you? I want you to think about something. See, when Moses would have these meetings with God, when he would go up on the mountain and God would give him a word and he would be around the glory of God. He would come down the mountain and he would have to put a veil on his face. And the reason he would have to put a veil on his face is because the glory of God would shine off of him and he didn't want to overwhelm the people with the glory of God. And so he put a veil on so that he could be in the presence of people because he met with God. Because here's what is true. When you sit at the table of a king, you reflect the king. So I want you to think about something. So because of what Jesus has done, we get to behold the glory of God. Let's take it to another level. This might blow your mind a little bit. Not only do we get to be in the presence of the king, wait for it, but he put his very spirit within us. So hear me. 
If you have said yes to Jesus, if you said, yes, I accept the payment and the price you paid on the cross and your resurrection, I said, yes, I've taken my seat at your table. He has put his very spirit within you. So because of that, check this, you have become holy and set apart because you withhold the glory of God. Then tell somebody. Like, that is who you are. And so we spend a lot of time, well, God, who am I? God told you who you are. He has said you are set apart and you are holy. Why? Because who dwells within you. That is who you are. What if the people of God who have been filled with his Holy Spirit, who have said yes to his invitation, what if we truly reflected the glory of the king wherever we went? Let me just tell you something. The atmosphere changes because the king's in the room. And if we, as a people of God, hold the glory of God, wherever we go, the atmosphere changes. Why? Because the very spirit of the king is within you. But I wonder, are you living that life? Are we busy reminding God of why he can't use us and why we are less than and why he shouldn't use us? Can I just tell you something? You don't have to give the author of the story a lesson in history. What you going to tell him that he doesn't already know? Like, you're not bringing anything new to the table. Because last time I checked while you were still a sinner, what did Christ do? You better speak it loud. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. So it was never based on you in the first place. God initiated the relationship. He fulfilled the relationship. He finished it. And he said, come on. That is who you are. I'm telling you, we get to reflect this king because we have been invited in and he has put his very spirit within us and has made us holy. Your name tag says ambassador. Your name, your name tag says holy. Your name tag says set apart. And there is nothing anybody can do about it. Because Jesus paid the price to make you that way. That is your identity. I know we're really good at picking up lesser identities and putting that label on ourselves. But maybe it's time for us to embrace who God says we are and go, you know what? Because you put your spirit within me, because you have paid the price, I'm going to reflect you in all the things. One of my favorite stories is found in Exodus chapter 33. And if you're keeping tabs, I do have a lot of favorite stories in Scripture. But Exodus chapter 33 is one of my favorites, and we'll close with this. And I love it because it just gives this posture of Joshua. Joshua was second in command while Moses was around, and, and Moses would meet with God in the tent of meeting. And I love it because Joshua, what we're going to see is that Joshua was always outside just soaking up the fact that his friend was meeting with his king, and he couldn't get enough. But we notice that the posture of Joshua was always outside. Exodus 33 verse 7 says this, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting, and he called it the tent of meeting because that's where he met with God. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. Like, let's picture this. 
these Israelites that didn't get it right a lot of the times, right? They didn't get it right. But when they saw Moses walking towards the tent of meeting, they would come out of their tents and just go, "Woo! he's about to go meet with our king. Moses, I told you what I'm struggling with. Moses, I told you what to ask the king. Moses is taking our request. He's going before the king. Moses, I can't help but come out here and support this because of who you're going to talk to. And can I just tell you, I don't believe that the people inside the tent, when Moses was walking by, they're like, ugh, we got to go outside the tent again. Yay, Moses, you're meeting with the presence of God. He calls you friend, the guy who split the Red Sea in two. Have fun. No. I think they were like, whoa, you better go, Moses. I wish I could come with you. I wish I could go. But I don't have access like you have access. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Woo! Whenever the people saw the pillar of clouds standing in the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance of their own tent. And so when the cloud came down, people just started worshiping, y'all. They would sing the fourth stanza. They would sing the reprise. I don't know what that means, but he would sing it. I mean, they couldn't help themselves. Why? Because the presence of God descended on the tent. And they're like, Woo! We don't know what's going on in there, but something's going on. The pillar is before the tent. God is meeting with Moses. The presence of God is in our midst. Verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Can we pause? Moses would go into the tent and meet with God, our Father, and God called him friend because they met together. Here's something that blows my mind, and I hope that you can understand the awesomeness and the audacity of a king to allow this to happen. But do you know that Jesus calls you friend? It's true. I can't make something that awesome up. He calls you friend. Like he looked at you and be like, that's my friend right there. He calls you friend. Listen, he doesn't call us friend because we called him friend first. No, he called us friend first. He initiated it. He said, you're my friend. Do you understand the weight and the beauty of being called a friend of the most high king? I'm just telling y'all something. Let me just put it this way. Um, Y'all might have heard that I like me some Tony Evans. Maybe once or twice. Tony Evans is coming in January. We're hosting an event here, and he's going to be here. And I'm telling you, me and Tony Evans are going to be best friends. I know it. <laughs> it's going to happen. You're going to see me on my Instagram, me and Tony. What? Right? I'm just telling you this. If me and Tony become friends, you are going to hear about it forever. <laughs> Why? Because I respect this guy. His ministry, he's leaving a legacy. He's leaving a wake behind him of how God is using him. And listen, I might go through the drive through line at Starbucks and be like, hey, my name is Nick. My order is a venti coffee with steamed sweet cream, and my friend is Tony Evans. Mm. Why? Because I understand the caliber of the man that is my friend. So the fact that King Jesus is my friend changes everything. We can't stay quiet about that. Let me tell you, this king who is holy and set apart, 
surrendered his life on a cross, paid a price I could not pay. He was resurrected from the grave, making a way for me. He has invited me to sit at his table. I have become as his son or his daughter. He has given me a robe of righteousness. He has put a signet ring on my finger, and he calls me beloved. Let me tell you something. You can't keep that in. You can't. Like, I think the better we understand what the king has done on our behalf, I think the more our lips become loose to tell people about the good news that our king lets us sit at his table. He didn't have to. He didn't need to. But he chose to. He has chose to not only invite you in, but put his very spirit within you. So what I love about this story of Joshua, we see Joshua who ended up leading the people of God into the promised land, and he is sitting outside the tent just soaking it all in. But through Jesus, guess what? We can all come into the tent of the king. You can come into the tent of the king. I can come into the tent of the king. And not only do I get to come into the tent of the king, but he has put his very spirit within me. So wherever I go, the holy of holies goes because the Holy Spirit is within me and I am set apart. So wherever my feet touches, wherever I go, it's holy ground. Why? Because the king is within me. Atmosphere changes when the king is in the room. And you have his spirit within you. So what? Well, I began this journey together today with a song, and so I think I should read you the lyrics of a song to solidify the invitation today. Now, this song, for all y'all who grew up going to church camp in the 90s and early 2000s, this is going to resonate with your soul. It's from those great theologians, Audio Adrenaline. If you're new to church and you're like, what's an Audio Adrenaline? You're not missing out on much, Okay. But this song, the more I thought about it, the more perfect it kind of sums up the invitation. The lyrics go like this. I don't know where you lay your head or where you call your home. I don't know where you eat your meals or where you talk on the phone. I don't know if you've got a cook, a butler, or a maid. I don't know if you've got a yard with a hammock in the shade. I don't know if you've got some shelter, say, some place to hide. I don't know if you live with friends in whom you can confide. I don't know if you've got a family, say, a mom or dad. I don't know if you love it all, but I bet you wish you had. Come and go with me to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of, a big, big table with lots and lots of, a big, big yard where we can play. Come on, somebody. A big, big house, it's my father's house. So what's the invitation? Come and go with me to my father's house. You were invited to sit at the table and dine as a son or a daughter of the king. Come and go with me. If you would, bow your heads. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that through you and your completed work on the cross that we have been invited to dine at the table of a king. Or may we be a people that accept that invitation and live our lives in response to your goodness. Jesus, may we in this moment take that next step of obedience in light of who you are and what you have done. 
And Lord, maybe right here and right now today, maybe someone watching online, maybe even in this place physically, there is someone that needs to say yes for the first time to that invitation to come and sit and dine and come into the Father's house. Lord, I pray that right here and right now, if they could say something like this, Dear Jesus, I do not understand it all. Nobody does. But the best way I know how I say yes to the perfect life you live, a life I could not live. I say yes to the perfect sacrifice on the cross, you paying a debt I could not pay. I say yes to the fact that you were resurrected from the grave, showing me that through you and you alone, I can overcome sin and death. I say yes to the invitation. And Lord, may I be reminded, may we be reminded in this moment that if we said yes to that invitation on the authority of God's word, we will be saved. Another way to say it is we have taken our seat at the table and become a son or daughter of the king, and we have our robe of righteousness on, and we have our signet ring of the family on. And so, Jesus, thank you. And I pray that if anyone in this place, anyone online, said something like that to Jesus that you will let somebody know either at the Next Steps room, by using our Next Steps phone, or by messaging somebody online. And Jesus, maybe we have the ring on and the robe on, but Father, we are not walking in your ways. May we take the veil off and reveal your glory. Maybe our next step is going public in our faith, which we believe is baptism. Maybe it's agreeing to serve. Maybe it's something else. Whatever the next step is, may we be a people and accept your invitation to take that next step where you have paved the way for us to take it. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen.